Boy, this, uh, this series on 1 Peter has been quite a challenge in many respects, not just for you to listen to, but for me to preach. And uh, this week's passage completes a pericope. If you guys remember what I gave you, the definition of a pericope, a pericope is another word for a teaching area in Scripture where there are several different things strung together with one common theme. And the common theme in this pericope over the last two sermons, and this one added, is about how the church is supposed to interact with all of its relationships. The week, this week, it's called, this sermon title is called Submit and Cherish. So as I mentioned, in the last few passages, Peter constructs in a, liter in a literary way this, this funnel of relationships, if you will, <clears throat> with government at the top, and then society and the workplace, and then today is the narrowest end of the funnel in the home, husbands and wives. And, and husbands and wives, it's not just about husbands and wives. It's about, uh, in general, uh, relationships that are, that are more intimate. Success in every relationship in this funnel requires two things. Honor and submission, which are very much the same. And then there has to be some sort of cherishing. <clears throat> submission, though, has very negative connotation, doesn't it? I mean, especially when we believe that people that we're supposed to be submissive to don't deserve it. They haven't earned it. They've betrayed us, or they don't have our best interests at heart, yet somehow Peter says we're still to be submissive and to give the honors to those whom honor is due. But what happens is, is as we become more involved in people that we're supposed to submit to or cherish, and they don't deserve our cherishing or our submission, resentment begins to take place. Have you ever held resentment towards someone? Resentment so strong it turned to disdain? It seems that the closer the relationship, the more likely it is that resentment can take root. This becomes a cancer to your ability to be part of this royal priesthood that Peter's been talking about all throughout chapter 1, chapter 2, and chapter 3. The more difficult, consistent submission or honor or cherishing becomes. At the top of the funnel, with government or maybe even with your boss, you can fake it for a bit. But the closer you get to the bottom, the more our weakness, our hypocrisy is revealed. So following the example of Jesus consistently with my wife is far more difficult than it is for me to follow the example of Jesus with my government, even though we're both believers. So let's read the passage today. Um, here we go, 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands. Now let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, <laughs> just joking people. <clears throat> Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives. When they see your respectful and pure conduct, do not let your adorning be external. In other words, don't focus your beauty on the outside, 
the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold and jewelry or the clothing you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. And you are her children if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way. That is a, a loaded word. It's an important word. It's actually more intense than submission. Showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life so that your prayers may not be hindered. There's a lot of history in this passage that we need to look at. here. I want to talk about the history of first century wives. So let's talk about this phrase, the weaker vessel. It seems pretty offensive. So Peter actually spends six verses instructing women, calls them the weaker vessel, says they're supposed to submit even if their husbands don't believe. But should it be taken offensively? See, you have to understand, marriage in the first century was nothing like it is today. Most women had very little say in the matter of marriage. They were told who to marry, when. Society as a whole then was for men, by men, making women far more vulnerable to abuse than men, whether it be socially, legally, economically, or physically. A man who owned property could do whatever he pleased with any man or woman under his fiefdom. The cruel, abusive society was very dangerous for all women. And you can imagine they carried this intense emotional baggage of cruel men every day. Just like slaves that we talked about last week, wives were treated as no better than personal property, non-people. Often they were treated worse than slaves. Husbands, and really all men in that society, abused their authority over women in cruel and punishing ways. Did you know a husband had the authority to lock his wife up, beat her, cast her out, even kill her if she embarrassed him too much or angered him in public? And before marriage, a woman was under the complete control and authority of her father with the same type of power and ability. Think of how demoralizing it would be for a wife living in this type of debauchery, the resentment she would develop, the hurt, the danger of being hurt herself, not just emotionally, but spiritually and physically. That's why Peter spends six verses encouraging wives and only one verse on husbands. It was pragmatic. But there are these believing wives and husbands that he's actually talking to. This passage isn't about how Christians, husbands and wives should treat one another. That's not what this is about. So it is not applicable to that situation. Peter commands for wives to submit isn't instruction on Christian marriage between two believers. He's addressing a marriage between a wife who has become a believer and the husband has not yet. That's in the first six verses. So before we understand that, let me just, there's some things going on with this tablet today, so give me just a moment. 
before we go on with this, I'm going to read this passage to you because it's important for you to understand what the early church was like. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. This was the church. The equality within the church between man and women was a radical concept. As a matter of fact, it applied to race, socioeconomic levels, gender. Everyone in church was equal. Seeing a woman as an equal within the fellowship of believers was such a bizarre concept. It was so different. In fact, it was a radically progressive, huge step forward in a society that regularly abused women. But now you have the situation where there's a woman who's worshiping with a group of equals, whether they be rich men, poor men, slaves, masters, whatever. She has this new level of spiritual understanding her unbelieving husband has no clue about. She's part of a Christian community as an equal. But then after worship, fellowshipping with her church, she returns home to an abusive, inequitable home life. She's once again just a piece of property. If a wife who has no standing in society became a believer in the first century, you can see how this would become a significant problem in her relationship with her husband, can you not? In that society, if a man's wife changed faith without his consent, it's a huge public embarrassment. You can see how she could easily start to rightfully resent her husband. The same as other believers had begun to resent their government or their masters. Now, if a husband came to Christ and the wife didn't, there's really not much danger for him. But for the believing wife to become a child of God when her believing husband does not, it is perilous in first century. That's why so many early church gatherings were done in secret, hiding from the government, hiding from masters, and yes, even hiding from spouses. But there's a spiritual application to this. I want to talk about Christ's example. Why did Peter need to command believing wives to choose submission and honor with their unbelieving husbands? Why did he even have to bother to do that? Why did Peter need to command believing husbands to cherish and understand their unbelieving wives? Why is he even addressed this issue? Well, it starts with this word, likewise. Just as Christ cherished his imperfect bride, the church, and then submitted to Rome, even unto the cross, that's what the likewise, the beginning of this passage, likewise wives submit, likewise husbands honor and cherish. So as a young coach, part of my job was to make sure that my team was in shape. Right? You know, to get in condition. You know, I just started coaching. And I got to say, I really enjoyed the power that it gave me to tell my team to run. You know, what I would do sometimes, I would eat a candy bar, drink a soda just to be snarky. You guys run. Mm, this soda's delicious. Run. And you know, my players hated conditioning. And I thought, of course, they hate it because it's running and it's hard. And 
No, I realized later on, after a few years, no, they hate conditioning because of my bad example. So after a couple seasons, I realized their submission to my command to be conditioned would be easier if I set an example and I began to run with them. And it was fun because they would kick my butt every time. But they're running like crazy. They're in great shape. They're flying up and down the court or the field or whatever sport I was coaching. And all of a sudden, submitting to conditioning became fun for them. I was setting an example. See, Jesus himself has set an example of submission and honor and cherishing in his relationships to Rome, which is the submission and the honor, and to his church, which is cherishing. Let's talk about submission. He tells wives, don't leave your husband because you're now a believer and he's not, but submit as Christ did to Rome. That's where the likewise comes in once again. Look at 1 Corinthians 7, 13. If any woman, this is Paul writing, if any woman has a husband who is an unbeliever and he consents to live with her, she should not divorce him. So the Greek word is upatasso. You know what it means? It means to be willingly and voluntarily willing to submit or subject yourself to another. To make the willful choice for the benefit of the kingdom and the priesthood and to the husband to be under his authority. It's not something you have been coerced to do because of abuse or intimidation, but you are commanded to do it lovingly, voluntarily. Instead, to seek your husband's heart by following the example of Christ and the beauty Jesus has created within you. That's the submission and honor part that he gives to the wise. And then he says, husbands, you need to cherish. He says, likewise, believing husbands, you are to treat unbelieving wives with honor in a way no one else in society would ever dream of treating their wives. The Greek word is time, to cherish and honor, to assign the highest degree of value. Think of it. They are commanded to cherish as equal someone the rest of society would see as personal property. Believing husbands... Don't use your unfair societal advantages over your unbelieving wives. No. At this point, as a child of God, you are to follow likewise the example of Christ and cherish and treat them as equals. Treat her, and in fact all other women, with utmost dignity, respect, and honor, and grace. A believing spouse, husband or wife, is to be such a good spouse they surprise their unbelieving spouse. Peter is commanding them, and this is, this, is the, this is the broader thing here. He's commanding them to redefine the relationships between men and women within the church. He's not calling on them to change society. He's calling on them to do something different inside the body of Christ. The new standard for both husbands and wives, the likewise example of Jesus, his submission to Rome and his cherishing of the elect even to the cross. So let's talk about the personal. I want to talk about cherishing relationship. This was the sermon preview this week. All our relationships should be cherished as gifts from God, opportunities to love as Jesus taught us to. Right? There is obviously a fuller application beyond marriage here. It's the same one we've had in the two previous sermons that we just studied about government, 
servants and masters, and now husbands and wives. And Peter uses first century marriage to confront the, get this now, the, even if you're not married, this is where it applies to you, the specific sins that pollute all our relationships within that funnel that I was talking about earlier. And that is the sin of hypocrisy and resentment. Not just at home, but at work and with your government. There's that funnel again, that pesky funnel. Peter is addressing a sin problem all of us have, hypocrisy and resentment in all relationships that could end up damaging the priesthood. And unfortunately today, many believers live in hypocrisy and resentment for years. Yet we wonder why our relationships become so dysfunctional, so damaging. We can't figure out why we never are able to consistently serve God and become good priests. Here's why we're full of hypocrisy and we're full of resentment. And the best place to discover just how full of hypocrisy and resentment you are is in your closest relationships, marriage being an example. See, the relationships at the bottom of the funnel reveal our need for grace much more clearly than the relationships at the top of the funnel will ever. Husbands, we demand unconditional respect from our wives, but we don't cherish our wives like Christ cherishes the church. Wives demand to be unconditionally cherished and loved, yet fail to submit and respect like Christ did to Rome, even to the cross. You understand that hypocrisy and resentment, which are natural for us, are the reverse of submission slash honor and cherishing. You see that? Hypocrisy and, res hypocrisy and resentment are the reverse of submission or honor and cherishing. We are called for the sake of our priesthood to recognize our hypocrisy, let go of resentment in all our relationships. And to do that, we're going to need the supernatural intervention of Jesus, the example that he set forth even on the Christ, even on the cross. And likewise, that word again, I put it in quotations for you, likewise, what is the core of the example that Jesus sets in his relationships? Submission slash honor and cherishing. So, let's talk about the powerful impact that we're supposed to have. This is not easy stuff. First Peter 2, 12. This is what started off this whole relationship pericope that we've been talking about for the last three weeks. This verse. He says, 1 Peter 2.12, Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. He wasn't talking about how often you feed the poor or how you know, clean you keep your house. He was talking about your relationship with government, employers, and your spouses. Those are the places to keep your conduct honorable. The way this early first century church began to transform how they conducted their relationships 
began to have a massive impact on individual people they came into contact with. The way husbands and wives and men and women and slaves and masters and church and the government interacted by the choice of the church to be willfully submitting was so radical. No other group wanted to do these things. And I will tell you this, the claims that some make that the early church was some male-dominated patriarchy are absolute ridiculous foolishness when you consider all the history of what's going on here. If you ever hear somebody say that, well, the, the church is just a white male, no. It was radically different than the society. At its core, this early church was the complete opposite of what made people want to try to call it. Women going from mere property to equals to what Peter calls joint heirs. As a matter of fact, there are many great, significant women mentioned in the first century church by Paul over and over again. That in itself is it's just outrageous. It's stunning. Why is this guy talking about women? The impact the church had on people in society by modeling the likewise example of Jesus in all their relationships was huge. And just as they were called this church to be radically different in all their relationships, we are called to do the same today for the sake of our priesthood. We are commanded to treat all relationships in our funnel the way Jesus treated all of his. With all our interactions in our relationship funnel, the first question should be this. What is the example that Christ gives for me in this relationship? Church, we are here as a royal priesthood to make Christ known at every level of society within every relationship we have in our relationship funnel. In each relationship, we should likewise follow the example of Jesus, whether we are called to submission and slash honor or to cherish. We are to view every relationship in society as an opportunity to be the best priest God has called us to be. So I got some challenging things to command you to do today. Start right now by confessing your own hypocrisy in every relationship you have allowed resentment to creep in. Government, work, spouse, close family. Ask God to reveal the depths of your hypocrisy that has allowed this resentment which has taken root to keep you from being part of the priesthood. Come to Jesus in humility. Ask for forgiveness. Pray that his spirit reveals to you how best to likewise follow his example of submission slash honor and cherishing. And once this happens, I believe you will be humbled by how often we fail without the help of Christ. How far Submission, honor, and cherish goes. We too will begin to have this stunning impact on people as we follow Jesus' likewise example of honoring, submitting, and cherishing in all of our relationships. We are to pursue all relationships within our society, within our funnel, in a way that makes God smile and enhances our reputation as priests. 
to such a degree that even if people talk smack about us, everybody will know, I don't know what you're talking about. They treat me with honor or they cherish me. Viewing all our relationships as part of our priestly role can become a powerful proclamation of the gospel, which is the first job of who? The priest. Imagine the impact you will have personally when you begin the process of purging your relationships from your hypocrisy and your resentment. Imagine what your relationships will look like as you make submission slash honor and cherishing your highest priority. Not just in the public square, but at home as well. Think of how God will use you to impact the hearts and minds around you as you learn to cherish them. I mean, don't you want that? Or would you rather just continue to live from one self-convinced reason that says it's okay to be hypocritical and resentful? You want to just go ahead and live from one hypocritical, resentful relationship to the next? Go up and down that funnel all day, every day? I'm resentful of government, resentful of my boss, resentful of my spouse or my family. Resentful. I'm a hypocrite. I don't see my own flaws, but I'm resentful. And we can live that way if you want, but that, that's boring. <laughs> I don't want to live that way, do you? When we learn to be likewise, to submit, honor, and cherish everyone in our relationship funnel, we're starting to tap into what it means to be a royal priest in a holy nation, God's chosen people. Heavenly Father, we are we're a little nervous about praying this prayer. We're not sure we want all of our hypocrisy and resentment revealed to us, but we know we need to. We're missing a lot of opportunities for the kingdom as we just hop from one resentful relationship to the next. And to think of what you commanded these first century spouses to do, something nobody else was doing. You were saying you can't be like anyone else, everyone else anymore. You have to be different for the sake of the kingdom. Lord, for us to do that, we're going to have to daily, as we talked about last week, pick up our cross, deny ourselves, and make the choice to be a priest. Especially when it comes to submitting to those who we, in our mind, don't deserve it. Father, we're going to ask that you be open with us, but also be gentle with us. As you are with your church, we have a lot to learn, but we're tired of hopping from one resentful relationship to the next. Help us to learn what it means to cherish them all for the sake of the kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, guys. That's a hard one, but don't worry, they get harder. Have a great week.